Well, me father often told me when I was just a lad, a sailor's life was very hard, the food was always bad. But now I've joined the Navy, I'm aboard a man of war, and now I've found a sailor ain't a sailor anymore. Don't haul on the rope, don't climb up the mast, and if you see a sailing ship, it might be a last. Just get your civvies ready for another run ashore, a sailor ain't a sailor ain't a sailor anymore. I swear to God. Yes. For room tone, I'm like one, two, three. Then the kettle goes beep, yeah. beep, beep. And then the bus comes outside as if summoned by dark magics. I did wonder what the beep was. I presumed <laughs> that the bomb was finally going to go off. And I was like, is this the fucking Russians? Oh, no. <laughs> All the beep was just, you know, me. It's that mechanical <laughs> organ where once my heart was. I've got some very good news, and I kind of don't want to save it to the end, because I, who has time to listen to 40 minutes of women screeching about Alistair Crowley or whatever the fuck? Then do your somethings on I sometimes right now! I kind of want to, because it is very, do very it. good. You know how I am an eight-year-old boy? Mm-hmm. So, in my eight-year-old boy-ness, I went out to go and find some frog spawn, because I was like, Ooh. I want the creature jelly to look Upon. And so I went out to find frog spawn. Did not find any frog spawn. What I did find were newts. <gasps> newts! Little long boys, little water oh, lizards. Like actual alive newts, alive not like newts, like newt a, spawn. A little colony of newts newting about, oh. newting around all over the shop. And I checked to see what kind they were because it's a protected species it's not it's the run of the mill ten a penny you shake a stick at apparently kind so i was like yoink and because I, I took a jar with me to go and find the frog spawn but instead we like alex and i we like lured this one newt into the jar that you had a family captured it i know <laughs> so as we were driving home we were like shit we've just like stripped this newt from its like chums and like captured it it's like we're gonna have to go back and get more newts tomorrow and so we're like okay yeah yeah we'll get your children harold <laughs> you're coming with us now i'm really into pokemon again and you're fucking i don't know i don't know a good pokemon that is an equivalent anyway my my story is not done this is like 30 percent of the story done philippa so oh my I, God. I bring the newt home and we go and put it in the pond and there i see an enormous frog that i've not seen for years and years and years by which i mean months it's commodore hops commodore hops has returned and i was like yo commodore and then alex is like jess tilt the fucking torch down slightly and so i did and in the pond was a newt and so we were like what we already fucking have newts what the fuck so dump in the new newt now we've got two newts we've got (laughs) toots and a frog cool wonderful great my amphibian dreams are becoming reality and i was like damn still no frog spawn though the next day go out i'm on a dog walk find frog spawn oh lord i'll go grab some put it in a jar take it home disgusting amphibian jellies they're great put it in a fish tank go out have a look at the pond and i see three newts what and two mating frogs and I'm like, Ew. motherfucker, Nature. that means we're just going to naturally have frog spawn. And so, yes, three days later, there is frog spawn in the pond. I've got frog spawn in a tank. I've got three newts. I'm up to my fucking armpits and amphibians, Philippa. The 
the spawn is now hatched and now I'm looking at tadpoles and I'm like, now I don't know what to do because if I put them in the pond, they're going to eat the other people's frog spawn. And so this story has become a nightmare. (laughs) Too many amphibians. No. Anyway, that's my eight-year-old boy amphibian adventures. How do you feel about all that stuff? You're a frog witch. I am. You just speak amphibians into existence. Yes. But also they fear you as a witch Mm. because you're like the hag that swoops upon them and steals their unborn children and husband, (laughs) Newtington the third, leaving behind his devastated Isaac Newton. Yes. (laughs) No. Yes, of course. He's left behind two devastated children and a sobbing wife. But now he has, I hope, two new wives. (laughs) And, oh, they're all girls or something annoying. But the problem is as well, apparently, as well as tadpoles will eat each other, because once they grow mm-hmm. legs, they they turn into carnivores, and then if there's no meat around, they'll eat each other. So it's like, <laughs> oh shit! Newts also eat tadpoles. So I've been going out to have a look at the natural frog spawn in the pond, seeing the newts eat them. So I'm either going to have a billion frogs or three excessively oh, no. fat newts. <laughs> both are great, you know. Both I like both of those things. So and I mean, if they do eat your existing frog spawn, you can just put the other frog spawn in. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like they're at different de- developmental stages too, so I don't want to put in the pilfered ones in with the natural ones, because then they'll eat each other. It's just all, it's a it's an amphibian disaster, Philippa. Can your garden sustain that many frogs? Oh, it's going to have to, and isn't it? And is Marilyn Monroe going to be allowed out into the garden for fear that, you know, she'll just be swarmed by frogs? <laughs> a sea of frogs just washes <laughs> over her, and there's only bones left behind once they swarm away. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, I always knew you were just like two boys inside a trench coat. I'm never sure which one is talking. (laughs) Both simultaneously. (laughs) They're really good at it. But now I'm looking at my notes. And now you have to do things. Like remember how to read. Uh, What the fuck? Awful. Forever. Ooh, speaking of which. Oh, my God. Oh, look at oh, us. look at that. You got frogs. I remember the title of this fucking podcast. Everything's fucking coming up, Jess and Philippa. That's who we are. <laughs> I don't even need to introduce myself because you just, just did it right just, for me. It's all, it's all happening. It's all happening. Thank you for saving me <laughs> from thinking of something witty. We never do that anyway, so why start now? So, Jess. Yes. Let me start again. Mm-hmm. Good start to the podcast. It's going great. Uh, This is like top tier shit. Your last episode, you were like, what's a thing that we always do? Yes. Royal Rumble. Oh my God, I'm excited. And then you did it. Yes. So what's another thing that we always do? Uh, Victorians. Mm -mm. Uh, Boat disasters. Close. Oh no. Um, What I shall say is, are you ready, Jess? (gasps) Are you ready, Jess? Yes, I'm always fucking ready. Did you know there's a TV program about gay pirates? What? And it's about like the love between Blackbeard and Steed Bonnet. Except I don't, I haven't seen it. But you know, Twitter oh. is like it's gay as fuck, which means it's not gay whatsoever. So you know, <laughs> it can never live up to my fantasies. No, I know. All but, my slash fic. But we simply. We must. We must view it. So we have discussed Blackbeard and has a eight slash fic. And one day I'll stop fantasizing about it and actually write it. Yes, please. Although, how I ask, am I to type with only one hand? But I digress. <laughs> Would you be interested in my sequel of a romance between Queen Elizabeth I and two piratical women? One an ally, the other a sworn enemy. <laughs> 
I'm lying a little bit. Okay. I'm not going to do two piratical women. Oh. This episode is going to focus on just one of these women. It was two when I started. Oh. And then I was like, there is not enough time to cover this hotness. Mm. I figured one of the women, Mary Killigrew, I'll cover her in a Patreon episode. Okay. And while we're on the subject of, you know, what I'll do in a Patreon episode, maybe if I remember the names or something or something, something. (laughs) Okay, I'm squirming already. I was going to say that I want to give a special thanks to our Patreon supporters. I've been struggling to articulate this even to myself because I'm uncomfortable with emotion. The last two years have been fucking hard. And I won't get into all the reasons why, because, you know, this is a short podcast. But... I often feel like as I'm trying to like flail and get my life back together emotionally and physically, the world is shrieking at me to get back to business as usual and going, why aren't you done, Philippa? And I'm just like, "Ah, I'm not there yet. Yeah. But I just wanted to say thanks to our Patreons for the kind messages they send, for the patience and all the support that we get, even when we are behind. I know everyone's had a hard time for the last two years, but then like, personal things also have been occurring in the background of that. So they would have been hard years without all of the, you know, other shit. The world shit. So it's just been continually bad. But there's always been this little, like, light of doing this podcast, and especially on Patreon, because that means that people really care and want to vote with their money and be like, we like you, have some money. (laughs) I didn't even say everything I typed. Just know that we have feelings, and some of those feelings are thankfulness and some of them are awkwardness because you know we're british (laughs) even me so back to piratical woman yes it's really difficult to talk not just about my feelings but also pirate woman Mm. because of a complete dearth of sources historians have for the most part been men and they often when they write about history keep women off the record Mm. either consciously or unconsciously and what's worse is that the women pirates that we know of through myth and anecdote and song didn't really leave any journals behind laura souk duncan in pirate woman mentions newspaper articles are few court documents are even rarer and books written around the time the pirate was active are virtually non-existent. Mm. So any story of a woman pirate is going to be a blend of fact and folklore, which is, you know, what this pod is. It's yeah. It's it's all guidelines, it's really. Just guidelines, really. <laughs> You please keep doing that. I'm going to be like... (laughs) There are at least some records of the woman I want to talk about. Grace O'Malley. Also known... Oh, I spent so long on YouTube. Mm. Also called Ronya Whale. Where was she originally from? Ireland. Ah, okay. What's interesting, though, is that her history is preserved in English state papers rather than in Irish records. For the Irish, because Ronya Whale didn't fit the roles of good Irish patriots or well-behaved woman... (laughs) It was easier just to leave her out of history entirely rather than acknowledge her. I love that. We we don't like that bit, so we don't talk about Bruno. I think that recently there's been a lot of efforts to remember her like her descendants now do a big festival for her and there's a whiskey named after her which i think is the biggest tribute that the irish can give to a person but everything that we know now has to be either taken from those english state records or irish folk song and legend and i think i've said on this podcast before as well but like with historians and male historians especially diminishing the role that women had in things like there was this statue found of a female gladiator that was holding aloft a sword or some sort of weapon. And the historian who found this couldn't possibly fathom or imagine a female warrior. And so they were like, and they are, you know, magnificently holding aloft some sort of cleaning implement. <laughs> 
That's a very sharp rolling pin. <laughs> There's a number of historians writing now, mostly men, who don't believe that pirate women could have existed. Of course and not. And that it's just a myth and a legend. All that and tits and, uh, and stuff hmm. get in the way. How are you supposed to swashbuckle when you've got titties? How can you rig the, the jib, jib and the, the bosun? And- bosun is not the same as bosom, mm. so... It's confusing, is what I'm saying. Some of them do go that route where they're like, it was just so unpleasant on a ship, a woman couldn't handle it. <laughs> and I think it's infuriating and rad as fuck that for Granny Whale, she had to survive purely... At- Ooh, okay, what was that? I mean, the ice cream van is here, so... <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to like, leave this in music? <laughs> yeah music. I thought you were just kind of finding a little jaunty soundtrack for my, what I was going to say just to, don't, don't address it, don't bring attention to it just carry on <laughs> soon may the women come bringing sugar and tea and rum <laughs> where was I even there we go I think it's both infuriating but also rad as fuck that for Granny Whale for the most part she had to survive as a legend instead as a historical figure mm. being remembered in folklore and song I mean what would you rather do though be like oh this is from history this is why like no one listens to our podcast because it's a history podcast and people are like history mm. So you go, this is a historical figure. Oh, I don't give a shit. This is a legend. Ooh, do tell. Go on. Tell me more. Yes, I would much rather have people make up lies. I mean, stories about me because Mm -hmm. my life is she stayed at home and read a book. (laughs) Whereas if I die, please just run free. Yes. No one has seen her for um, three years. (laughs) So, Gronya Whale was born to the O'Malley clan sometime in the 1530s. The O'Malleys, who lived on the west coast of Ireland, stood out from other Irish clans due to their seafaring ways. And because of them being alley cats who played jazz. That too. Even their clan motto, Terra Marique Potens, means powerful by land and sea, and I believe that they said it with a pirate accent. Terra Marique Potens is the only way to speak Latin. That's very good. The sea supported them in a number of ways. First off, they claimed lordship over the immediate sea territory surrounding their home, and they'd levy tolls for safe passage and fishing rights in that area. They were also able to make money by fishing as well as trading, which brought the the O'Malley's into contact with the wider world. And another means of income was the transportation of mercenaries, which were a major part of Is it Gaelic or Gaelic? Gaelic. Which was a major part of Gaelic warfare. So, and this name, I just enjoy it so much. The O'Malley's would transport Scottish mercenaries known as the Galloglass. I want that to be the name of my black metal band. Yes. Galloglass. Oh my God. I think it just means foreign warriors, but I don't care. Galloglass. Yeah, that's cool. I love it. And the O'Malley's were mercenaries in turn, being renowned for their ships. And then there was that teeny tiny matter of piracy. What was very handy for Granny Whale and those of a similar bent is that accurate maps of Ireland were only really made towards the end of the 1500s as the English moved in. And so if you were of a seafaring piratical persuasion, you could take advantage of those who wouldn't necessarily be familiar with the land. 
what you would do is you'd like hide in a river or a little coastal area or a little, I don't know, sea woods, <laughs> a cave, a pirate bay. Those, those are things. Things that I definitely know. And then you would dart out and raid and then you would dart back into your little pirate bay and thing. Surprise attack. So for Granuel, it was very difficult to catch her because she had such expert knowledge of the waters and her islands in the area. At various points in her life, Granuel apparently commanded between three and twenty ships. Oh. The ships themselves were galley ships, and ask me if I understood a single word I read about what a galley is. Nope. I only know the only thing I know about ships is from Assassin's Creed Black Flag. From what I gather, a galley is a ship that's propelled mainly by oars. Thank you, Wikipedia. Cool. Although it also has sails that can be used as well. Good. Its body is long and slender. Same. Mm, I like my ship like I like my women. Long, slender, and shallow. And made with oars. It takes 30 men to row them. <laughs> and this kind of ship was very popular with pirates because it was such a speedy craft, not dependent on the wings. Winds, even? Winds. It's been a beer day. It could dive down on a big, juicy merchant ship, plunder it, and then dart back into the shallows again. Mm. The ships could carry up to 300 people. I like my women like <laughs> And were manned by up to 30 oars. Although apparently this 30 oars thing was unique to Granuel. Oh. I think that other galleys had fewer and she was quite original. I like that. that she just stormed in, kicked open the doors like, I need more oars! And they're like, oh, okay. Slaps galley. This thing can fit so many oars. <laughs> Also, although I won't talk about cannons, the galley was also the first ship to carry cannons. Oh. So very handy for a piratical life, me hearties. Mm -hmm. Yo-ho. So Anne Chambers mentions that by the time Gronuel was born, independent women rulers in Ireland could only be found in myth and legend. And that she suspects that that's one of the reasons why Gronuel was relegated there herself, because everyone knows that real women can't succeed in masculine spheres of seafaring and politicking and doing of things warring mm -hmm. the only she's allowed on the seas were boats and the ocean goddesses that ruled and embodied the water mm. a woman on a ship was the devil's ballast mm. a bad omen and a woman in power? <laughs> Incidentally, I just love anything with the word devil in it. It's like devil's lettuce. Yes. Devil's doggle. <laughs> devil's ballast. It's all exciting. Devil's roost. Which is me. Ooh. And that's where you can buy a really good, bespoke, amazing dice sets. Please look it up. Devil'sRoostDice.com. Thank you very much. That's a plug for me. Go on. Seamless. Mm. And yet, although almost nothing is known about Gronuay's childhood, very unsurprising for the time, mm. it does seem that she spent a lot of it on board with her father, mm. Owen Dudara O'Malley, one of the few Gaelic chieftains who had not yet submitted to the English crown. Granuel's mother Margaret was also an O'Malley, and unlike English law, married Gaelic women could keep their maiden names throughout their marriages. The only other thing known about Margaret, really, is that she owned land in Umhall, which she later passed on to Granuel. Hmm. Granuel also had a brother, or maybe half-brother, Donal, but he doesn't seem to have taken to the seafaring life like his sister, and he doesn't really show up in the histories of Granuel, hmm. so meh. Meh, fuck him. Granuel, however, seems to have been born for the waves. Mm. She accompanied... The whole time though, so I'm saying this, I'm like, sail away, sail, sail away, away. I've just got like Enya playing in my head as I speak. <laughs> 
she accompanied her father on many fishing and trading voyages and picked up his skills and became an incredibly accomplished sailor herself. But although he passed down his skills to her, Owen would never have even considered Gronyuel becoming his successor in this manner, because women sailors. It's sea men, not sea women. We don't want to see women on the sea. That's what they say. Seamen. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so life on a ship was hard for the whamons. There was absolutely no privacy, and men wanted to swear, stink, carouse, fight, and fuck. How can you do any of that with a woman watching you? None of those things Ugh. are things that women like. Also, oh my god, gross, what if a woman had her period in front of you? <gasps> uh, uh. Granuel would go on to give birth on board a ship, but again, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> for now, Owen O'Malley had far more use for his daughter on land, marrying her off around the age of 16 to Donald O'Flaherty. Flaherty. I know how to say it, I just can't make my mouth do it okay and i'm sorry the name o'flaherty i'm sorry for all of the o'flaherty's but you know that this guy's a fucking nerd and he's some like pasty doughy nerdy shit oh well oh well i'll get on to to donald so donald o'flaherty and ali of the o'malley's it must have been boring and lonely as hell for her and Donald doesn't sound like the kind of man who wants an independent wife. <laughs> he was known as Donald of the Battles. Oh. So you can guess what his favorite hobbies were. Oh, I take it back. Although, hilariously, her brother, also Donald, was called Donald of the Pipes. And I know that music is meant here, but my mind went on a whole new fanfiction tangent. <laughs> <laughs> this is me typing one-handed right now. <laughs> Granuel bought Donald, her husband, two sons and a daughter over the next 20 or so years. Mm. But by 1564, Donald had the good sense to go and get himself killed. Okay, right, yeah. Long story short, Donald died in battle trying to reclaim a castle that had once been his, but had been taken by the Joyces. The castle, according to legend, had been built in a single night by a cock and a hen, and was therefore called Cock's Castle. <laughs> and naturally, Donald was like, I need big dick energy castle! <laughs> and he died in the attempt. No. So, thinking that they could now settle happily in Cock's Castle, the Joyces were surprised when Granuel led her husband's clan and defended the castle against them. Beating them back, the castle was renamed Hen's Castle after after her. Chickens are great. Hen's castle, I love <laughs> it very much. That's good, yes. Following Donald's death, Granuel, according to Gaelic law, would not have been allowed to succeed her husband as the chieftain, so this position was granted instead to a cousin of her husband, although Granuel's second son would eventually win back the lands for himself. I'm sorry, I just love inheritance. And like, Instead of it going to your actual like flesh and blood, your daughter, it's some weird like miscellaneous fucking backwater cousin. In the armpit of the country. <sighs> she she had a time of it. Yeah. Also fr frustrating was the fact that Granuel was owed by law both her dowry back and a third of her husband's property. Hmm. And she got her dowry back, but the O'Flaherty's were unable to pay her widow's third, possibly because Donald was not the best and wisest of rulers <laughs> and spent everything on his constant warring. Okay. <laughs> so when the time came for her to take her 33%, they like dramatically patted their pockets and were like, oh, I God, somewhere else. Typical Irish. <laughs> <laughs> you are Irish. Yeah. Kind of, sort aren't of. you? Some, some parts Irish. So Granuel, now a widow, went back to her father's lands back at, is it Umhall? 
I mean, I, I want to say it like it's spelt, yeah. so let's go with that. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that she took with her a significant number of O'Flaherty men who gave up their own clans to follow her. Oh, cool. It's quite a tribute to her leadership that these men were willing to give up their own clans, their own laws, and their masculine pride to follow a woman's rule. Mm. And throughout her life, her followers were loyal to her and she to them, which again was very con significant considering the turbulent times they lived in, when loyalty was fickle and allegiances shifted all over the place as England tried to get its slimy little paws <laughs> into Ireland. So... Granuel said, fuck y'all to everyone, settled on Clare Island with three galleys and her new crew and began her life as a pirate queen. Amazing. How old is she by now? She'd be in her late 30s by now. You see, you know, it's like everyone thinks they have to get everything done in their 20s. Oprah didn't yeah, become exactly. um, Patrick Stewart until she was 56. You know, that sort of thing. I'm 33 now and I'm like, you know, there's still fucking time. There's still time to become a pirate queen. But while Granuel's moving back to Clare Island, shall we sail away, sail away, sail away to the workhouse? Let's go. All right, we're back on English shores and subjugating our orphans instead of the Irish. <laughs> what fun. What are they doing? I don't know. Normal workhouse things. Mm, we know what that is. We, we had an episode on that and we know it. What do you think they're doing, audience? We're just testing you. Like, comment and subscribe and tell us below. What are the orphans doing? <laughs> so while we wait for the comments to pour in, have you heard of Cecilia Bivolt. Oh, tell me more. Most know her by her working name, Dr. Blood. Well-versed in humoral theory, Cecilia was fascinated as to how a person's composition of those humors, blood, phlegm, black bile, and yellow bile, could affect their mental and physical health. But she was not one who just wanted to diagnose. Oh no, Cecilia wanted to heal. And so, whenever she came across a likely patient, she'd I mean, borrow just <laughs> a little bit of blood here, and- Just a little bit? Just, you won't even miss it. Just a little bit of phlegm there. And then, she would prescribe those to other patients, giving more blood to the timid, or yellow bile to the lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about uh, why prescribe salads and exercise when you can go straight to the source? Just inject a little bit of lemon you say, guy, if you go, you're not lazy anymore, you can go for that science. <laughs> <laughs> what she asked could possibly go wrong. <laughs> Unfortunately for Cecilia, she wasn't a doctor in medieval Britain. She worked for a blood bank in 1970s Stockholm. Oh, Humoral theory had been disproved hundreds of years ago, and that's not how blood banks work. That's not how blood works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> but thank you for helping us work, Cecilia. <laughs> We really appreciate it and the support given to us by all our patrons. We should call you Sahelia for all the healing you do. <laughs> and if you want to transfuse some black bile, I mean support our way, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash awful forever podcast. So, I shouldn't have mentioned blood in front of the orphans. They're looking hungry now. <laughs> I think we'd better mosey on out before grim things happen. 
Yarn, it is go a bastard shipping yard, larpen. I was going to say, in our original pirate episode, we did do a lot of arring. We did, like, it was a lot. Obnoxiously it, yeah, so. Yeah, it was a bit much, wasn't it? And I'm just trying to control myself now. Yes. And just keep my R's to a we, minimum. Also, I don't have a throat anymore. We have learned, we have grown, we know at least 70% less yarring should be involved, but perhaps more shanties. So, arrrr. During Granny Whale's marriage to Donnell, another woman had come to power in England. In 1558, Elizabeth I assumed the throne, keen to achieve Henry's dream of conquering <laughs> but we'll look at Lizzie later. Let's get back to Granuale, now on Clare Island, the perfect base for an aspiring pirate queen. Her castle overlooked Clue Bay. Basically, no ship approaching could escape her notice, but the castle's sheltered location meant no one approaching could see her. Very good, yes. Granny Whale spent her time building up an army of about 200 fighting men, assembled out of lo various local clans. O'Malley, Burke, O'Flaherty, McCormick, McNally, Conroy, and Clannanel. Clannanel, there we go. To retain their trust, she had to ensure that she could provide them with plunder, and she had to lead by example, which she apparently did. That's the pirating way. Mm -hmm. And she seems to have enjoyed their company too, being fond of gambling, swearing, and fighting herself. So she built up wealth on land, accumulating cattle and horse herds, but the stories told about her involve her victories at sea. One such story talks about how, returning from a voyage, Grania Whale stopped in a county Dublin, which I don't know if that's different from city Dublin, and also I wrote country instead of county. I'm just very confused about Dublin. I think the English still don't understand it, and the Scottish are dubious. So she stopped at County Dublin to stock up for the trip back home. According to Gaelic Customs of Hospitality, she stopped in at Howth Castle. But its lord, the Earl of Howth, locked the doors, and Granuel was told that he was at dinner and didn't want to be disturbed. Rude. Mm. On her way back to her ship, Granuel bumped into a young boy on the beach and discovered that the child was the Earl's grandson and heir, so she kidnapped him and held him for ransom. Yeah, just kidnap him a little bit. But it wasn't gold that she wanted. Instead... To return the child, she demanded an apology, and the earls promised that he would keep his doors opened, according to the rules of hospitality. He agreed, and his descendants, who still live at Health Castle, continue to observe this custom to this day, ensuring that an extra place is always set at dinner. That's very awesome. good, but I would be annoyed if that was me and I had to put the fucking plate down every time. I, it's just fucking great-great-grandfather Greg. <laughs> and now I'm... This is an extra dish that I, I have to wash. I just chuck it down with like a, a heel of stale bread and be like, look, it's a fucking place, okay? Although I imagine that the the descendants who still live at Health Castle can afford many servants. And so it's not really them who are cursing, oh, you know, yeah. great grampy health <laughs> and his lack of hospitality. So Granny Whale's now in her late 30s, practically a crone. And seriously, 16th century women only apparently like lived until 40. Oh dear. So oh no. Practically in the grave. But she decided it was time to marry again. This time she made her own choice, marrying Richard Burke, a chieftain of the Sept of Ulic of Burrishul and Kara. I understood those things. And he was eligible for election to the MacWilliamship, which was a position of considerable power. Don't make me explain it. Mm -hmm. There was a lot to love about Richard. 
he had very strategically handy castles, which is what I look for in a man. Yes. He had a lot of wealth also. Great. Mm. Uh, yep, tick that box. Yep. And he was very brave. Okay. He also, throughout their many years of marriage, seemed to look to her for leadership, <laughs> respecting her political acumen. Oh, cool. So, the ultimate power couple. I like that. What's interesting is that in Ireland, you could have a trial marriage of about a year, after which either husband or wife could annul the marriage if they wanted. And apparently after that first year, Granuel locked Richard out of his own castle, which is called Craiga Howley. Okay. I don't know. There's a lot of letters in there, and I'm mm. sorry. Mm -hmm. But locked him out of his own castle, shouting down from the ramparts, Richard Burke, I dismiss you. <laughs> Leaving him castleless and lifeless. <laughs> <laughs> I know that r slash female dating strategy is not what people love, but I'm giving you a female dating strategy. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. She took him back in the end, however, and they remained together for over 20 years. Because pirates are wholesome as fuck. That is good. They had one son, Theobald. I've also seen him called Tybalt, but he became known as Toby of the Ships because he was born at sea. Nice. The story goes that the day after Granuel gave birth to Toby while at sea, the ship was attacked by Algerian pirates. While everyone was fighting up on the deck, the captain came down below where Granuel was recovering from popping a whole live human baby out of herself. <laughs> he begged her to come up on deck because morale was failing without her. So with the exasperation of every woman asked to do just one more goddamn fucking thing, <laughs> she cursed them all, saying, May you be seven times worse off this day, 12 months, who cannot do without me for one day. Uh? And with that, she wrapped a blanket round herself and went up on deck roaring curses and emptying her musket into the bodies of the invaders like a complete and total badass. Oh my god, that would be like, I can imagine, you know, she's like sweaty and haggard and just like having mm. fucking none of it and comes screaming up and just, ugh. <laughs> I like to imagine that she's just like holding her child by like his ankle while she's shooting at pirates <laughs> motherhood <laughs> and as she filled him full of lead she cried take this from unconsecrated hands since catholics among many other religions consider women ritually unclean after giving birth and often made women perform a churching or cleansing ceremony before they were allowed to participate in the church ceremonies again I mean, it is a little dirty from what I've heard. There's a lot of fluids involved. Repressing. Good. <laughs> also, I had no place where I could insert this organically, but she sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> because she sometimes fought alongside her son in battle. And once, afraid for his life, he apparently tried to creep behind her, like, use his own mother as a shield. Oh my god! And she yelled at him, Are you trying to hide behind my backside, the place you came from? I live for her sass. That's amazing. So there's some stuff I want to skip, because she lived a whole life. Granuel was captured and imprisoned for a couple of years in the late 1570s. The English tried to squeeze her husband Richard out of becoming the next MacWilliam. He and Granuel fought a whole ass war over this, but they eventually kind of had to submit. Huh. England's colonization of Ireland was sneaky, because England lacked the funds for outright war. So Henry VIII, when he was still alive, implemented this surrender and regrant policy, by which England encouraged Irish chieftains to pledge fealty to England, 
did their best to abolish Irish titles and election traditions and laws in exchange for English titles. Mm. This ultimately was what Richard had to do in 1581 in order to secure his position as the next MacWilliam. Mm. Although through a combination of military might and cunning, they convinced the crown to recognize his Irish title in addition to granting him an English knighthood. But he didn't get to really enjoy it because he died two years later, so that also is something ah, we're skipping. Fuck. So, England had been steadily swindling its way into Ireland, abolishing its customs and establishing its own courts and ways of life. In 1584, Richard Bingham, which is the most English surname I can think of. Yeah, whatever happened to Bingham? You never see that around these days. I think the pirate queen wiped them to extinction. <laughs> Richard Bingham, Dickie Bing, was elected governor of Connacht. Bingham was less for diplomacy, however, and more for sticking a sword in everything and everyone that resisted him. Butter? Sword. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to greet me politely? Sword. And he wanted nothing more than to stick a sword in Granuel, but settled for kidnapping her son, Theobald, holding him hostage to try and stop Granuel from plundering by land and sea. I'm just going to say that Theobald is the biggest Mario Brothers princess of all time. (laughs) He is always in another castle. So Bingham captured Theobald, and he was also complicit in the murder of her other son, Owen. Furious, Granny Whale led a revolt against Bingham, enlisting Scottish mercenaries to assist her. However, anticipating her, Bingham succeeded in capturing her and immediately set about building a gallows. He fully expected to hang her since importing Scottish mercenaries was considered to be treason. However, her son-in-law secured her release from custody, and she ultimately made her way to Dublin to complain about Dickie Bing to his English rival, the Lord Deputy Perrin. She managed to win a pardon for all her crimes, basically by being like, I'm just a poor old Irish farmer lady, (laughs) making my living where I can by land and sea. And he was like, I'm sorry, ma'am, is that a cutlass? No, that's just... It's a cleaning implement, it is. (laughs) It's a very sharp ladle, (laughs) really. (laughs) And he was completely taken in and forgave her, and maybe it was a little bit inspired by his hatred for Bigham. But the aggression escalated between the pirate queen and the governor of Connacht. As the war between Spain and England raged, so did the battle between Granuel and Bingham. He executed many of the leading male members of her family. He moved in on her land. He drove her into the sea. He stole her horses and cattle, and that was kind of a good deal of her wealth, leaving her poor. He even turned one of her sons against her, and everyone was simply shocked when Granuel was like, right, and took up arms against her own child. Oh, shit. Elizabeth heard report of it back in England and was apparently fascinated by this. Ultimately, Bingham invaded her sea territories as well and impounded her ships. So in 1593, in desperation, now roughly 63 years old and a widow twice over, her livelihood taken away from her, Granuel started writing to Elizabeth. And I just love to imagine the correspondence between the two women. Some of it's still available and you can read it. Mm. Granuel talks about her children, her marriages, how hard it is to be a widow, especially because when your first husband dies, you get 33%. But if you are unfortunate enough to lose a second husband, you get nothing. Mm. I'm like, is that to stop you from becoming a black widow? I don't know. (laughs) Because I do it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So she appeals to Elizabeth as a woman of similar age and basically plays the poor old widow card again, asking for Elizabeth's permission to go on being a pirate, but serving Elizabeth alone. So she kind of like turns to being like a privateer then. Pretty much. And Elizabeth used pirates uh, throughout her her career as a queen. And I don't know so much about Elizabeth that I'm like, yes, believe the facts that are about to come out my mouth. But from what I read, Parliament wouldn't always give her money because she didn't want to marry and pop out kids. So in the beginning, she did rely on on pirates to get her wealth. Hmm. But I'm a woman. I think don't so. necessarily believe me. <laughs> but when Bingham took her son Theobald prisoner once more... Again, Theobald, along with her brother, Donald of the Pipes, Granny Whale knew she had no time left to wait for Elizabeth to reply. So she sailed herself to England to put herself in the Queen's power, a woman who should have been her greatest enemy and could have hanged her as a traitor. And I don't really have all the time to get into how cunning she had to be, to open first a written correspondence and then arrange a personal meeting with the Queen. So for that, if you want to read more about it, I recommend Ench- uh, Anne Chambers' book. I'll put it in the, in the show notes. But just because she was an old, salty sea dog doesn't mean she wasn't wily and politically shrewd. And she played every card in her hand while Bingham sat crying and whining on the side. He, <laughs> he was like writing to England going, don't believe her, she's lying. I don't know what she said. But it's a lie. She's a woman. Every word that comes out of her mouth is a lie. <laughs> and fortunately, his whining didn't work. In 1593, Granuelle was granted an audience with Elizabeth, probably in her country residence at Greenwich Palace. I love to imagine this meeting between two women, both leaders who, from their youth, fought their way to the top of their respected male-dominated spheres, pirating and kinging. They're now older women, and therefore useless trash! The men <laughs> shriek from the peanut gallery and are promptly executed. Mm. Technically enemies, but with so much in common that they now stand before each other, sizing each other up, their eyes glinting with dark humor. But what were they wearing, historians <laughs> ask? Who was taller? There's a lot of folk songs that talk about how Granuel was the taller one, oh. and Elizabeth had to reach up to shake her hand. <gasps> and everyone went... <laughs> But that's the Irish telling that story. So. Oh, of course, those tinkers. <laughs> <laughs> those tellers of tall tales. <laughs> One story mentions that Elizabeth gave Granuel a fancy hanky and was simply shocked when, after blowing her nose, Granuel threw it into the fire instead of putting it into her pocket. Oh. And Granuel was like, gross. <laughs> the Irish are way more hygienic than that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it's all embellishments. No one knows how the real meeting went down. I like to imagine that they just kind of like had a beer and just mm -hmm. like sat down and fucking chad. That is my headcanon. Mm. And we know the meeting went well because Elizabeth ordered the release of Granuel's son and brother. And she also ordered that Bingham grant Granuel a widow's pension to the absolute gall of Bingham, mm. who tried to refuse and was ultimately sent back to England in disgrace. Uh. And Elizabeth almost never granted pardons and favours without extorting a hefty price. But Granny Whale won them from her at absolutely no cost. Oh, because she was just a charismatic sort of swashbuckling hero. Except, and I don't care if they were 60 years old. Elderly women can have passionate romances as well. And I am writing the slash book. Yes, 
I love this. I love this very much. Yes, yes, yes. So that wasn't quite the end of Granuel's story. She continued her pirating, fighting up to three years before her death in 1603, like in her 70s. Fuck. She was like going into battle against English warships and fighting, I don't know, the Spanish, whoever. The Kraken. That's how she died. (laughs) That's what I believe now. Oh my God. So she died in 1603, which is also the same year Elizabeth died. Oh, and I'm like, they died in each other's arms. Oh. <laughs> this is just all fuel for the heated slash fic that I am going to write. It's just, you know how there's like that generational memory that kind of gets passed down. Mm-hmm. She received the passionate love for pirates that Henry did. And <laughs> her dad just, you know, it was passed down to her and she's like, I want to suck the pirate too. I also want to fuck up hot pirate so yeah i mean she probably stumbled into hazard eight's bed chambers many times and was like this is a very roughly shirt is that, a, <laughs> is that like a cutlass and henry was like get out get out it's a museum piece i'll tell you when you're older and it's just like a parrots and stuff and she <laughs> things have been awakened in her and although granuel fought the english for most of her life Towards the end, she defected towards the English in order to secure power. In order to secure power for her son Theobald, mm. and that's probably why she was left out the Irish histories because her loyalty was ultimately towards herself for and her, her family. Was fucking kidnapped always, idiot son. <laughs> fucking Theobald, <laughs> Jesus! I can just see her at like sixty years old, and they're like. Theobald's in another castle, and she's like, oh my fuck. Uh, again. Sailing her ship with a little mum, best mum in the world mug. <laughs> and a parrot. Yay. And that is the story of Granny Whale. Well, I, I love all of it. Love it very much. Yes. Powerful, powerful woman. Very sexy, very sexual. I like it a lot. Yo-ho, yo-ho. I like the differences and the similarities between herself and Elizabeth. Yes. The, like, that weird, like, dark mirror kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, I do, again, why the Hazard 8 and Blackbeard thing is so good to me. It's like the, you know, the prissy, raised, indoor-type person meets the salty sea dog Mm. who's, like, rough and exciting. And And Elizabeth is just covered in pearls, and Granuel is covered in salt and maybe barnacles. Yes! (laughs) So stay tuned for our pirate romance series. Coming to Netflix. And now I don't know what we're going to do because you've said your some things are nice sometimes and frogs are croaking in the background and I guess we'll sail away, sail. Is that even Enya? This is a history podcast, not a music podcast. Fuck. Sail away, sail away, sail away. <laughs> <laughs>